Milo's free speech week at Berkeley is a bust, and President Trump is calling out knee-dropping NFL ingrates. We will talk all manner of free speech with our in-studio guest, Dave Rubin of The Rubin Report. How lucky am I? Then, Ali Stuckey and Jacob Berry join the panel of deplorables to discuss Anthony Weiner in the can and NPR's lambasting the unfair exclusivity of women's sports. I'm Michael Knowles, and this is The Michael Knowles Show. Dave, thank you yes. for coming. Thank you for coming on. You've made the trek. It's like three or four blocks all the way. I made the trek uh, already. I hear Shapiro and Clayton <laughs> screaming in the hallway. Oh, it must be any time of the day. Yeah, yeah, it must be at any point on any day of the week. So by sheer coincidence, by absurd coincidence, yes. you are here. We'd already booked you. And all anyone is talking about today is free speech. The Milo thing, the Trump thing. One might say it's providential. You're an atheist. We will talk about that later. <laughs> but before we get into any of it, yes. you have a beard. Yes. It's an astounding beard. It's Thank a manly you. beard. People are it very is, excited about it. They're the very excited. You've yeah. gone on this hermitage, this Thoreauian, Mark Hamill, Luke Skywalker hermitage. Yes. What did you learn? Well, I went off the grid for 30 days, literally off the grid. My phone was locked in a safe. I did not know what time it was. I don't have a watch anymore. You're a very fancy guy with a watch. <laughs> yeah, some of I, I haven't guy, had yeah. a watch in probably 20 years. So wow. did not for 30 days, didn't know what time it was, didn't look at Twitter, didn't know about the news. I was in Mexico. I was working on my book. I had some family come over. Not looking uh, at Twitter sounds like the most fun thing ever. You know, it was, Twitter is a nightmare. <laughs> I mean, it truly is a nightmare. And I think everyone, if you say anything about Twitter to people these days, immediately everyone's kind of rolls their eyes, their their body language changes. Twitter used to be fun, and yeah. now people the, are just the, too the nice trolls now, have right? taken over. I like a good old fashioned trolling, yeah. but like just, so the, so just the, the sort of right, exactly. But the but the evil people, it's not the trolls. I actually, I, yeah. it's not the trolls. It's the truly genuinely evil people who just want to burn everything just down. Vicious, malicious. and there, there's just a lot of those people. So even the good stuff about Twitter, where you can get your stuff out there, like just staring at your phone all day and scrolling, what some anonymous pink cat said about. <laughs> you it's like this is probably I need not to the know best I need to know I, yeah, yeah absolutely but anyway so I didn't shave for a month and then I came back I did a live stream and my intention was to shave the next day but the people have demanded that the beard stay I kind of dig it now I we'll, demand it too we'll it see. looks great thank you I may roll it into last Jedi in in December you know what <laughs> oh, I mean? good, yeah, if I keep yeah. growing out the hair the beard comes a little bit more I've heard the Hamill thing before well it can't um, be worse than that the movie before Rogue One whatever that was the last Jedi with the girl and it was just wait, whoa, whoa, terrible whoa, whoa, whoa. it was you did, so you did not like Force Awakens I that is the most diplomatic way to put it I've ever heard it was so bad it was the best the best acting and it was Peter Cushing and that was just a computer-generated robot no, no, no. So you're talking about... I don't mean little, to insult you. Whoa, 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 Obviously, you whoa, whoa, whoa. performed in the movie. Yeah. Hold on a second. Force Awakens. You're telling me you did not like Force Awakens, but you like Rogue One? Absolutely. So that's very conventional thinking right there. That's very conservative, <laughs> yeah. conventional uh -huh. thinking. I mean, Force Awakens was pretty fantastic. And, yeah, and Rogue I, One, I love Rogue watching One the first sucked. Star Wars. Yeah, I love rewatching. So you liked Rogue One. That's what you're telling me. I, I liked Rogue One. Name and three I, characters. I, I don't know. Well, okay. Name three okay. people. Give it, come on. Cassidy Andor, Jin Erso, Baze Malbus, Shira Imwe, and K2SO. Listen I don't know who that is with guy. Google. Okay, someone's got Google. Very I, impressive. Yeah, that, that was impressive. You, yeah. He did bail me out. I, you're right. I can't yeah. name the characters. The thing yeah. I liked about it is that it was new, though. It wasn't just a remake of A New yeah. Hope, you know. That scene in the middle where Vader comes out and he, like, sashays <laughs> out there and don't choke on your words. 
It's like, I like a good pun. I really do. But like, oh. Yeah, it put it put James Bond to shame. Yeah. Anyway, okay. So Are we going to do anything else besides that's only one point. Uh, that's yeah. only one point of disagreement. I, I need <laughs> to hear your take. So I was, per, you're a liberal. You're an old school liberal. Mm-hmm. You're not a, uh, a leftist, a regressive leftist. You yeah. left the left. You had this great PragerU video. No. Now, I was, I was reading a book over the weekend. Uh, it's called uh, Kindly Inquisitors by Jonathan Rausch. And it, it talks about this. Yeah. It says there are five uh, decision-making policies. You could either have the fundamentalist principle, what I say is right and what everyone else says is wrong. You can either have the simple egalitarian principle, everyone has their own idea and it's all fine. The radical egalitarian principle, only oppressed minorities, only their views matter. Yeah. The humanitarian principle, don't hurt my feelings. And the liberal principle, which is... Throw out your idea, it's going to be viciously debated, and then the right idea will come out of that. You fit into the latter category. Well, absolutely. Liberalism at its core, classical liberalism, true liberalism, having nothing to do with the modern American left or the Democratic Party or certainly progressivism, means live and let live. That I mean, at my core, that's what I believe. Mm -hmm. I genuinely do not care what you do in your life outside of the conversation that we're having right now. You seem like a nice guy, but like whatever- Looks can be deceiving, yeah, Dave, yeah, yeah, but sure, I have no yeah, freaking idea. It, yeah. But whatever you do in the confines of your home, and it, it, whatever you do, it has mm-hmm. nothing to do with me, as long as whatever you're doing is not impeding on me. That's actually liberalism. The, the idea of the individual and using logic and reason. This is a beautiful thing, liberalism. Unfortunately, it's been compounded by leftism and progressivism into this sort of monster that it is now. But it's funny, I, I'm a liberal. I mean, I, can, I, am, I am gay married, okay? <laughs> That's about as liberal as you get. I'm not even gay, I just did it to prove a point. You know what I'm saying? Like, but, but that, I'm pro-choice, I'm pro-legalization of marijuana, I'm not for nation building, I'm for a strong public education. We'll convince you against I'm all for that euthanasia, stuff all, of those, sure, yeah. all of those things. But, but, the, but the irony is I'm welcomed here in this building where right, I got and, uh, Shapiro and Clavin and you and all these guys because you guys actually are tolerant of, of different thoughts. And we like to debate ideas and talk about ideas. Sure, sure. And, and I get invites from colleges all over the country and they're always from conservative groups and libertarian groups. Mm-hmm. I have zero invites from liberal, <laughs> supposed liberal or progressive or democratic groups. So what does that show you? I mean, who who are the tolerant people? Who are the liberals? Days? Who yeah. are the liberals even? Yeah. So, all right, now you have to piss off your entire fan base there. Oh, what do you think about taking knee? What do you think about this Kaepernick, NFL-wide, and President Trump calling it out? Yeah, well, all right, I have to have consistent principles here. So look, they are welcome to exercise their freedom of expression and free speech however they want. Now, at the same time, when you have free speech, that doesn't mean it doesn't have any consequences. Mm. So ultimately, if all these guys take a knee, so again, they can do it 100%. I back their ability to do it and use their own mind to make a decision with what they want to do with their lives. Okay, fine. Now, if you're an employer and you realize that the audience is turning against them and may not buy tickets, may not buy as much food, may not watch. Audience down 8%, 10%. Which we consistently see. By the way, the one guy, the Pittsburgh Steelers guy, uh, who did come out, you know, the whole Mm -hmm. team stayed in the locker room, the one guy came out, now his jersey's selling like crazy today. So he probably helped his career Mm -hmm. while some of these guys heard it. Now, it shouldn't just be about your career and money and all that. The point is It also has to be about wealth and stuff. Yeah, of course, (laughs) absolutely, absolutely. (laughs) A true capitalist. Mm -hmm. Okay, look, they can do it. Their employers can then decide if they want to keep them or... Uh, not re-sign them at the end mm-hmm. of the season or any of that. Uh, as far as Trump, look, I tweeted out yesterday, look, the beauty of America is that the players can do what they want, the employers can do what they want, the president can say what he wants, and so can you. Now, a lot of people are angry, but the president said fire them. Look, he can say whatever he wants if he, if he starts putting that into law, 
that I, you know, demanding. If he goes to Congress, well, everyone thinks the president's allowed to write laws. He's actually not, but that, <laughs> yeah. I've sort of given up on that one. But Barack Obama is, thought that too, though, in, in, in his defense. No, no, that, I meant that as <laughs> yeah. a broad sense of what has happened with the, the office of the president. They yeah. all think that they can write laws, and we've sort of let them. Mm -hmm. And Congress is such a bunch of do-nothing losers that they've just abrogated all of their uh, authority to them. But, okay, that aside, Trump can say whatever. He has a right to free mm -hmm. speech, too. Now, what he can't do is start passing laws that would infringe on the First Amendment. They can't start passing laws that would force companies to fire or stop people, jail people for using their free or, speech. Or even to stop people from burning the flag, according to the Supreme Court, according yeah. to Antonin Scalia. Yeah. Which I agree with. Mm -hmm. I mean, at the end of the day, these people, we have, I would always err on the side of freedom. Let's give more freedom. And guess what? Sometimes it's going to suck. Sometimes people are going to kneel and you may not like it. Sometimes they're going to burn the flag and you may not like it. But that's the point. So everything that happened yesterday, while everyone's screaming about, oh my God, this is the most polarized we've ever been and we're all, we all, Actually, it showed the strength of America. Nobody got killed yesterday. Nobody got right. mauled yesterday. Right. Guess because they happened? weren't at Berkeley. Yeah, they were. <laughs> <laughs> right. Wait, wait till this week. But the point is, that's kind of a beautiful thing. Everyone exercised their freedom of expression. Now, there may be consequences that come from all of that, but the government didn't stop anybody, mm -hmm. even Trump. And by the way, when I say that, I don't like what Trump tweeted. I don't like that he's put, he's sort of making it seem like the government is against this mm. stuff. And I know he purposely goes to the line and he's kind of trolling the media and all of those things. Certainly on this I would prefer, issue, yeah. I, w I would much prefer a president who I think really cared about ideas and I really understood what his political ethos is and all that stuff. That isn't the president we've got, but it doesn't mean you have to be dishonest in your criticism of him. That's what I would say. Now, what do you, so the, the NASCAR came out strongly against this. Yeah. Hall of Fame driver Richard Petty said, quote, Anybody that don't stand up for the anthem ought to be out of the country, period. We got them. What got them where they're at? The United States. I couldn't agree more. What do you think about the content of this protest? So they have the right to do it, yeah. even though the NFL has fined players for making other protests, right. wearing socks honoring 9-11, that sort of thing. Or even dancing in the end zone. I mean, they're not even yeah. allowed to dance in the end zone, <laughs> right? So. Yeah, they should not be allowed to do that. Yeah. What, it, what are your thoughts on the, the content of the kneeling? <sighs> Look... In my opinion, we live in truly the greatest country, probably in the history of the world. More people have come here for more freedom than anywhere else. Every single one of us, unless you're uh, a Native American or an African American whose ancestors were brought here as slaves, every single one of us came here with nothing. Our ancestors, I'm sure your great-grandparents or whoever it was, came yeah. here with nothing, as mine did. They build and build and build. We build a strong middle class. Hopefully, you'll be able to move up and up and up. That's a beautiful thing. Now, that being said, are people allowed to protest? Of course. I mean, so it, I think it's slightly misguided in mm. a way. And now we have a per, we have the perfect mix. I mean, this is what it is. We have the perfect storm of a president who will keep pushing them and this movement that's going to keep pushing this way. And we just have this perfect mm. thing that's just going to keep blowing up. But ironically, I think a certain amount of people are just going to tune out. I think a certain amount of people will just stop. They'll literally like, tune out of the game. Yeah, that's what I mean. Off, I mean, yeah. even the idea, I used to, I mean, I love sports. I never watch SportsCenter anymore <laughs> because basically you're just watching what MSNBC. happened in crime and what happened in <laughs> politics. Yeah, exactly. Right. So I could just watch MSNBC for that. So I think that there's a short, look, the other thing is, so you take the Pittsburgh Steelers, the whole team except this one guy did this. Okay, fine. Again, they are welcome to do that and, and they may pay consequences mm. from the team. 
But how do you backtrack out of that? Let's say, let's say Trump does a few things that they want him to do, whatever that yeah. is, right? Or the atmosphere changes a little bit. Well, how do you in three weeks from now show up and you're all out there again as if it all got better? So they're all pinning themselves into an intellectual corner, which I think is dangerous. That's exactly too. right. Yeah. And, and you make the great point too. The, the country is allowed people to have this thriving middle class, to uh, ascend it as ever, ever more fair, ever more free, ever more equal. And the fact that they can take this protest without facing consequences from the government is evidence that they shouldn't protest the country. They should maybe protest the cops or protest the this or whatever they want. Well, I also think that the danger is that the, the politicizing everything is incredibly dangerous. People watch sports to escape. Right? Why do you watch sports? Why do you play sports? Imagine if you were playing basketball. Well, that's a difficult thing to imagine, but sure, I'll, I'll play, do my best. Work yeah. with me here for a second. Imagine <laughs> if you were playing basketball, okay? You're dribbling the ball, you're playing ball, and now guys are screaming about politics while you're on the court. You would never play with those guys again. We need a break from politics. Mm -hmm. I, think, I think this whole example actually is another reason why I believe in limited government. We need a government that's small enough that if it's going to make decisions, it can't affect us in that many mm -hmm. huge ways. I think that would be a much better government to have than the government that is willing to overreach. So again, I, Trump, yeah, he's towing the line of what I think is legal and what I think is right. But as far as I know, he's not pushing any laws. And unfortunately, people just don't understand what the basic, pre you know, you tell right. people, well, First Amendment and that free speech. I saw all these people, Chris Cezilia, what's, what's that guy's oh, name? Yeah. That guy he's gone completely, Chris yeah. Cezilia's so, yeah, completely yeah. gone The off guy who's the wrong about end. everything, but he's talking <laughs> about, he was tweeting about, you know, you have the freedom to not have consequences or something. You have the free, yeah. and it's like, no, that's, that the, the, text, that's yeah. the reverse of what you have. I'm slightly butchering what the exact tweet was, obviously. Yeah. But like, people just don't understand the basic concepts. It's almost as if we're not smart enough anymore because of the failure of our education mm -hmm. to deal deal with difficult issues. So I would say this is all a flow of education, actually, more than anything else. So, certainly that's, yes, absolutely that's right. And it, it brings us into this other issue today, which is free speech week. Yeah. We were all looking forward to it. We'd all gotten all the tweets about it and invitations and things like that. Yeah. And it's completely fallen apart. This was Milo Yiannopoulos's plan, his big comeback. One, would there have been a purpose to this free speech week? And, and what is that purpose? I like your little pause there because it was like you had eight <laughs> questions to ask at I have once a lot of questions without throwing anyone under the bus. Yeah. Look, I don't know what the purpose was. I think maybe they were going to intentionally try to make more crap happen and mm -hmm. just get more violence and all that stuff. You know, it's funny, you know, Ben, obviously, who, uh, who's become a friend of mine, who I'm sure you're a friend with, yeah. and, and I've had him on my show, you know, he went to, to Berkeley. It cost them $600 thousand dollars. It was like the president came to town. They shut down the city. So Ben, who I think is in this building right now, yeah. this is what I've said publicly. He's welcome to burst in here and, and attack me if he doesn't like any of it. Ben basically is a mainstream conservative thinker. All the, all the positions that Ben stakes out are just mainstream stuff that's on the right, mm -hmm. basically. Some of it I agree with, some of it I disagree with. People were saying after the event, they were like, well, you know what, it actually wasn't that violent because only, you know, five people were arrested and only one ATM was destroyed in a couple <laughs> windows. They were like, oh, so, that, so it shows tolerance and it's pretty good. But that's after $600,000 had to be spent to secure this. So what the real threat is, it's not only that eventually for a guy like Ben or for many other people, that they just won't want to deal with it. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Jerry Seinfeld doesn't perform at colleges anymore. Seinfeld, who no one knows his opinion on anything. Right. You know what I mean? Try to think of one political position that Jerry yeah, Seinfeld I don't, I don't see a lot of Seinfeld political rants anymore. Yeah, either. and yet he thought that colleges mm -hmm. were too politically correct. So the idea is you either just people, you know, not everyone will have the intestinal fortitude of Ben Shapiro to keep 
showing up to these mm -hmm. things and, and staking out unpopular positions, but also the schools simply won't be able to afford it. So the threat from about free speech and free expression is now coming from many directions. Mm -hmm. Ironically, very few of these directions are because of the government. So I fear right. more that we are taking it away from ourselves. We're allowing college students to dictate what they're taught. You know what I mean? We've allowed this diversity stuff, the, the James Damore memo, we've allowed this to just infect everything, and it's actually the reverse of what we need. What we need is more people willing to talk it out mm -hmm. and say, all right, we agree, we disagree, but that's the point. I would much rather live in a society where we disagree on some stuff, but we don't kill each other, than the society where we all just accept uh, we accept nonsense because we've been guilted into it. It was amazing with Ben at Berkeley. $600,000, they still destroyed a bunch of stuff. This is, they called him a Nazi. I guess a Nazi Jew is mm. what Ben, a Nazi Orthodox Jew. Yeah, he, yeah. He doesn't, he, he didn't. I vote was at for a President dinner with Trump. Ben a couple weeks ago. He brought his own kosher food. I'm pretty <laughs> sure. Yeah, that Nazi that, kosher yeah, food. Yeah, I'm pretty uh -huh. sure that Nazis, you know, don't bring their own kosher but food. But when I see, uh, Ben gave a speech and there was a lot of content to the speech. Yeah. He made arguments about abortion. He made a lot of different arguments. When I see you speak, you make arguments, arguments yeah. about free speech, about classical government. For some people, it seems to me the speech is just about the speech. They don't, there isn't actually a speech to give. It, you're just waiting for these crazy kids yeah. to jump up and yell, and then you make fun of the chubby lesbian or something. Yeah. <laughs> is there? <laughs> well, yeah, so there's a certain amount of people that are just flamethrowers, right? Yeah. And you remember in uh, the second Batman, with, uh, the, when Heath Ledger's Joker, yeah. you know, um, Michael Caine is discussing like the idea behind the Joker, what this guy's trying to do. He says, some people just want to see the world burn. Mm -hmm. So I think we actually do have a lot of those type of people right now, which I think is really unfortunate, especially in, in the system that we live in that has given so much to so many people. You know, think about it. If you're watching this show in America right now, pretty much you could go to your supermarket, your local supermarket, and find food there. That's pretty good. Yeah. Pretty much there's water running at your house. Th except there is though you no... live in Flint, Michigan, there's a problem. Right. But, but pretty much in a, in yeah. a society of 350 million people, this thing's basically working. And if you, if you travel outside the country, I was just in Cuba, people yeah. traveled all over. There is no poverty in America. There is relative poverty to people because people are so rich in America. Right. There is no real poverty in America. And that, that, that doesn't mean that there aren't poor people. There aren't people that need help. Who are help. struggling, there of aren't course. All yeah, of yeah, those of things. Course. But we have to have a, figure out how to have an honest conversation about that. Not just either throw money at everything where we consistently find it doesn't work, yeah. which we consistently find. The more money you throw at things, the less it actually works. And you actually create a situation where people are now dependent on this mm -hmm. and never want to get off it, which is a horrific position for anyone to be in. Um, so there's so many things, but this is what the debate's about. And that's what I'm afraid of right now, is we're really, I mean, everyone's talking about this, but, but it's significantly worse than it was two years ago. We are all cordoning ourselves off in our little teams and I think one of the reasons that what I'm doing is working is I'm really trying not to do that. And I'm trying to spend as much time with a guy like you as I would with a, a lefty. And I'm trying to find some answers there. Um, I think sometimes maybe logic and reason is going to be the sacrifice in this thing. You and know and I mean? that might make you a trans political thinker. You know, you go from one <laughs> side to the next. And yeah, yeah. on that, it seems Does to that me, get me any social justice credit? It it better, yeah, I'm I don't know where that I'm a trans the... thinker. <laughs> yeah, yeah, how about that? that you, you'll get your own safe space on, uh, on YouTube. The issue that I think it seems like a trivial issue, yeah. it seems completely unimportant, but it's where a lot of the cultural battle is and the language battle and the battle over free speech, the pronouns. Yeah. The pronouns. Do people have a right to insist that you call them by a pronoun that doesn't match their actual biological sex? 
Well, I would completely on this one take Jordan Peterson's position, and I'm sure much of your audience knows Jordan. Yeah. Uh, has he been in here? He not yet, but you, we do want to get you, him. Okay, soon, okay. Yeah. I will gladly. Uh, if, it, if you don't, you know, if this thing doesn't burn down by the end, I'll, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll put well, in a good word for you. I thought the apocalypse you. was today. I thought Is the Christian numeral. Well, we'll oh, see. right. Some guys said it was, it was supposed today. to be it's today. Every day. We'll see. What egomania to think the world is going to end on your? All these people that are like, oh, the nuclear war is coming. You know, North Korea is going to nuke us now, or the, all the the religious people that think, oh, end of time. You know what? The world's been going on for a long. George long Carlin time. did something about yeah. this. It's not. Don't worry about the planet. It's the people. You know, the yeah. planet's going to be fine. Anyway, in answer to your question, I would I would take Jordan Peterson's position on this, which is I, I first off I have trans friends. I know trans people. Yeah, me too. I yeah. do not go out of my way to offend anybody ever. Well, I go out I of my way to offend everybody. <laughs> that's one difference. But I'm sorry. I no, no, that's yeah. fine though. So okay, you have. If, if let's say you're walking down the street, right, and somebody uh, somebody's walking towards you, they they drop their wallet. And you're like, sir, you uh, you dropped your wallet. Now, if that person turns out to be a woman, but you thought it was a man, well, you, it's not your fault. If the, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I think what we're getting caught up in is all just language nonsense but here. But what if it is? Uh, this is the the real issue because we have uh, friends who I say identify as transgender, man yeah. to woman, or yeah. woman to man. It seems to me that a yeah. man cannot become a woman simply by wishing it because he has a psychological condition that makes him think he's a woman or makes him very much want to be a woman. So let's say he's a man, but he wears dresses and maybe he undergoes some surgery even. Nevertheless, he is a man. My view of the world, my view of reality tells me he is a man and I shouldn't, it's not good to play into a delusion that he isn't a man. It isn't good for him or anyone else. But my politeness tells me, yeah. call him a banana if he wants to be called a banana. Yeah, well, I think uh, that's going to get you in trouble. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm, I've already been demonetized. After yeah. YouTube, I'm sure. <laughs> oh, well, I'm the king of demonetizing. <laughs> yeah, the club, so, yeah. There you go. Um, look, I would say there's two things. There's there's something in general like we have we have two realities, which is one is what the law is. I'm not talking about with pronouns specifically, but we have what the law is, and then how we function as people. And those things aren't the same. So when people talk about the free speech thing, for example, yeah, we have the First Amendment, and the First Amendment protects the government from you know, taking away our free speech. But then there's also just how we have to all behave with Manners, yeah. There's just, ba there's basic societal things that you can be part of or not be part of, but that there's a social, there's a sort of unspoken social construct and, and or social contract, I should say, yeah. in being a member of society. So I would say basically, if you see someone and, and you, I would say, do your best to, to treat them the, the way you would want to be treated. But I certainly I'm not going to pass any laws like they want to pass in Canada of that course. are going to affect, that are going to you or know. Or that they have a, as policies at universities right now. You yeah. get in trouble if you use the yeah. wrong read write pronoun to refer to somebody. Yeah, all of these things are complete nonsense. I mean, all of this language policing and any yeah. law that you would put in or any statute that you would put in in a college. Of course, this is it's not only is it abject drivel, but also for the people that will be sympathetic mm -hmm. to to trans people, which I think is a perfectly fine and just cause. Uh, you're going to actually drive a lot of them away when, of you, course, when yeah. you come in with some sort of authoritarian thing, and you're going to have to say this. And if you don't, by the way, we're going to call you a transphobe or a bigot or a racist or all these things that don't even make sense. Trans isn't a race, by the way. <laughs> but that, but of oh, course, all of these things, that, yeah. everything gets lost in all of this nonsense. So I would say yes, try to be a decent person, but in no way should we be making laws about this. Of course, things. yeah. We should all be equal under the law. That's it. Mm -hmm. The law doesn't say anything about how someone has to treat you. And guess what? People are allowed to be. 
uh, what's the language? Offensive. Poli- yeah, yeah, I was gonna, to I was gonna go dirtier there, but <laughs> yeah. what, what's the language policy around here? That's, I know you're very, it's, uh, we're it's, a very, uh, you're a very politically family, correct and very family, family oriented. Absolutely. Yeah. The, the try that, to be decent. That's all I would say. Decent, sure. But you know what? If you're not decent, as long as it's, you're not doing anything illegal, all right. What am I gonna do? Because it seems there's this the premises of it. I, I worry with this. You had, you did a great interview with Blair White. Mm-hmm. I love watching Blair White's videos. Yeah. I think he ha- makes very good points, but he would probably prefer to be referred to as she. And I, and I, I struggle with this question of, it's a, it's a small point, but if in a public space like this, if we give the premise, if we grant the premise of transgenderism and of subjectivism, of the, the relativity of reality, mm-hmm. then haven't we given away the whole, the whole farm? So this is where I think that you as a conservative and me as a liberal have, <laughs> have just a different view of the world. And see, it's funny because I know a certain amount of people would watch you say that. Now, Blair, if you if you look at Blair, she she looks like you know she's beautiful. She yeah. looks like a woman. Okay. Now, a certain amount of people are going to watch you and go, wait a minute, wait a minute. He's just going out of his way. He's going to, out of his way to be to, mean to just kind to of this be mean person, or whatever. Yeah. Okay. Now, I I know Blair decently well. Uh, that was the first time we had met in person, but you know, yeah. sort of know her. Now, look, you gain nothing. I I think yeah. that, and I think this is a a fair liberal position. You gain nothing by doing what you did there. You know what yeah. I mean? Like you just don't. Like I get what you're saying. That yes, this person. First off, I think that trans is still listed as some sort of psychological it, it, well, disorder is or something. A disorder of some sort. Right? Your, so, your psychology doesn't match your. So look, body. I, yeah. I, if if Blair was sitting here, I'm pretty sure she actually wouldn't be offended by I you doing that. And she that, would. Yeah. She would. She would argue, uh, no, but even by you calling her he or whatever, yeah, yeah. I think she would have a, a principled position to argue against. Mm-hmm. And I would say this is the best example of why it's about the individual. That right. if you were sitting here and you and Blair were having a great political discussion about anything, I think by the end of it, you would go, you know what, next time I will have no problem calling you she. Call you whatever you or, want to be called. Yeah, yeah because yeah. it's about the individual. Mm-hmm. So yes, at some level I get it. I get what conservatives are kind of doing here. And this is also what I think conservatives missed on gay marriage, which is that now it's funny, all the conservatives now, they all take the libertarian position, which is, well, oh, well, I didn't want the government involved, blah, blah, blah. But none of you were saying that before. They all you, wanted you defensive got, marriage. Yeah, you were, yeah, you, yeah. not you specifically, but, yeah, yeah. but the whole slew of, of conservatives, who many of them I'm friends with now, were nobody was taking the principle right. Position. Rand Paul, who's more of a libertarian, obviously, he could have taken the most principled mm-hmm. position ever and been like, you know what? Uh, I don't particularly care one way or another about gay people, but I want everyone to be treated equal under the law. I don't care what you do in your own bedroom. And if two people want to enter a contract, it doesn't matter what sex they are. It would have been a great principled position and something that the right and that I think conservatives and limited government people all could have latched onto in, a, in an honest way. Mm-hmm. So I would say in this case, it, it doesn't really matter. So I guess yeah. maybe your pushback is that somehow what? Societies were lo- chipping away at a that, little that inherent a, truth or something? That there's, that there's a question of who gets to define reality. Who gets, whose premises do we have to believe? The premise that says that a man can, can become a woman by sheer force of will or the people who say there are difficult facts and there are and there are difficult psychological conditions and we ought to be compassionate and we ought to walk with people right. and be as nice as we can without changing definitions of reality. So I think you can you can actually meld both of those into one thing which again it's about the individual. So of course if a biologist was sitting here they would say you can't change your chromosomes. Right. I don't think that most yeah. even, even the most <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> patients patients yeah, right. Yeah. But I don't even think the most far left trans advocate is saying that they're changing their chromosomes. Yeah. But I would say what you can do is try to treat the individual with respect of course, and yeah, yeah. and 
I think that's really the fertile ground that we need to be spending more time in as mm -hmm. Americans right now because we're all just, we're picking positions, we're fighting from places of sort of an intellectual high ground. It's in intellectually interesting, but yeah. socially irrelevant. But it, yeah, I just don't think it's that. I think yeah. 20 years from now, if trans people, it should be what's happening to gay people right now, where they're, the left is turning on gays right now because they don't view them as oppressed enough anymore. Right, right. I like that. <laughs> I'm okay with that. You don't look I don't, oppressed to me. I don't, yeah. I'm not oppressed. And, but you know what? When I, but three years ago, when I didn't have the same ability to get married that you did, yeah. well, then there's something to fight for because we weren't equal under the law. But guess what? You and I are completely equal under the law right now, and that means you can treat me as crappily as you want to. That's the beauty of America. We should uh -huh. be treated equal under the law so you can treat everyone. But if, if you have a group that is not treated equally under the law, well, then they have something to fight for. Right. Get us to that base level, and then everyone can be totally awful people to each other if, so, if you so choose. It's not how I operate, but you're allowed. Absolutely. Now, speaking of the morality of being completely awful people to each yeah. other, we have to get into a segment. I've constructed it just for today. Mm -mm. This is a segment that I have dubbed Save Dave's Soul. Uh -oh. Now, yes. Dave, you're an atheist, vaguely an atheist agnostic. I'll give you the 30-second recap on that. Yeah. I had never publicly said that I was an atheist. Then I had a bunch of well-known atheists on my show. And uh, then I had Milo on the show, and we were talking about atheism, and you know, he rails against atheism. And basically my belief is that if you told me, I just don't believe in things without evidence. So mm -hmm. if you told me that LeBron James dunked from half court last night, I'll go, well, I need to see the video on that. I can't just right. take your word for it. So I don't think that there's some magical being out there that cares who I have sex with or is watching my every move or anything like that. That being said, so I sort of, you, I kind of said that, all right, that's what my atheism is. Mm -hmm. I, I just don't believe without evidence. I don't want to get too lost yeah, yeah. in atheism. That's the, that's the Bertrand Russell or, argument. Yeah, you would yeah. say, when you, if you get to heaven and God is there, and you say, why don't you believe in me? He says, well, there wasn't enough evidence. Yeah, right, and I could agree with Bertrand Russell on almost everything, so, yeah. <laughs> so, so there you go. What I would say is, uh, just a couple weeks ago, after I did this little hiatus that I did, I got back and I said something, how I don't want to use the word atheist mm. anymore, because there are moments. I mean, there are moments in life when you have beliefs and things that you can't quite you're old, explain. And you're and, numinous. Yeah, and, and just that you, we all just can't literally explain every little thing. That being said, I will play along with your game to the best Good, of, well, I'm glad you brought, it yeah. is providential that we brought up Bertrand Russell. Yeah. Because, uh, so what I'm gonna do, I'll just run down a few arguments for God. Okay. See if they push any buttons, see if you have a rebuttal to it. Yeah. This was an argument that Bertrand Russell, an atheist to the day he died, yes. said that he couldn't find the logical flaw in. Okay. He famously threw his tin of tobacco in the air. He said, the ontological argument is sound. And then he said, well, but I, I don't know. I'm not convinced anyway. Should I have brought my lawyer for this? You need your, you right. should have, this is only, only your divine lawyer. Yeah, will. I should have had a, a priest, a rabbi, and an imam. <laughs> yeah, that that right. would have helped, yeah. Only, so this is the argument. Yes, let's do it. You might be familiar with it. The argument is, we'll define God as the maximally great being. Mm -hmm. He comprises all of the great making characteristics and none of the corrupting characteristics. Just the most basic definition. Then in, in modal logic, as a principle of modal logic, there are necessary truths and contingent truths. So this is necessarily a mug, and the mug is on the table. The mug could be on my microphone, the mug could be on my head. Now. Put the mug on your head. I, and let's the mug really, is on my head yeah, because really of the whimsy of the cosmos. Yes. Now, if God is a maximally great being, then he exists necessarily, right? He wouldn't exist uh, as a matter of contingency, it would exist necessarily. So if he exists necessarily in some possible world, then he exists necessarily in all possible worlds, right? He, if he couldn't be the maximally great being and only exist in some possible world, mm -hmm. it would have to be in all. Now, if he exists necessarily in all possible worlds, then he exists necessarily in this world, 
which is among all possible worlds. Therefore, God exists. And Bertrand Russell was reacting to a different version of that argument, basically the same thing. He said, There's, it's, it's impossible to point out the flaw. Have I made you a Christian? Are well, we going to church together this Sunday? <laughs> well, uh, you did say if a lot in that. There's well, there there, a lot of yeah, ifs there. premises, there. yeah. Th those are a lot of ifs. I mean, these are, you know, in, uh, these are premises that can't be proven empirically. But so if I'm willing to go along with that logic, then I, then I suppose you have something there. What I would say is this. I had, uh, I had Dennis Prager on uh, with M uh, Michael Shermer debating yeah. God and morality. It was one of the, my favorite if, hours. If you haven't checked it done. out, you should go over it. Look, Google this, the Prager and Shermer debate yeah, it was, on it was really It was really interesting. And by the way, two guys who I totally respect, who I've yeah. broken bread with both of them. I mean, I, I think we did something really nice, something that I think we need, a, we need more of. The crux of the argument to me, I thought, got to one place that I, I still am not totally sold on, which is Dennis said to Michael, you know, Michael's talking a lot about science and, and rational belief and not, you know, things that you can't prove that you shouldn't believe in and all that. And Dennis basically said, you know, that, that's all good. What Dennis was arguing was that on a macro level that society needs these sort of, un, these unspoken or these bigger than, I, you know, these ideas bigger than just the literal things to keep society going. This is a little bit of what Mm -hmm. uh, Peterson's talking about, by the right. way, and right. this, this map of meaning that he talks about. It's useful. Um, it's useful that at the mi and I think that's really interesting, that at the micro level, we can all use our brains to figure all this stuff out and hopefully find morality and all that stuff. But perhaps as a, uh, on the larger scale, on the macro mm -hmm. scale, that we do need a little bit of this. I I'm kind of, I'm 50-50 on that, truly. I, I, I wish, I'd like to believe that if we all just relied on our in intellect and science and logic and reason, that we could build a functional society that way. I don't know that there's really any evidence that we have. There's plenty could. of evidence to the contrary. Uh, yeah. yeah, although, you know what, all the good things about America, you know, which a lot of times people say these are just Judeo-Christian values, these are really Enlightenment values. If we could really grab onto Enlightenment values, I think we could build a great society. I don't know that it has enough legs in a day where so many people want to burn mm. the system down, so many people sure. want to be hysterical. I don't know that being a calm, sort of centrist who's open and decent and, and is willing liberal, to debate. Yeah. yeah, willing to debate what does God, it's almost pointless to me. I mean, really, yeah. there's so many things happening right now that whether God is sitting here judging you one way and judging me another or whether he's playing racquetball somewhere else. He's judging Marshall the most. I think Definitely judging Marshall. on that. Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. Well, that. I don't know that I answered your question in even the you, slightest. You no, a little bit. A little bit yeah. you did because you're right. Everyone wants to burn down these enlightenment values. And I think part of that is because the enlightenment values are undergirded by the Ju Judeo-Christian religion, by by uh, Christianity. The, the natural rights come from natural law, and natural law comes from Christianity. So w without that, one wonders if the society that's based on that, all of the good things that came out of that, can continue in those good things if it's no longer animated by the same thing that created them in the first place. Well, so that I think is really interesting because the question really is, so do we have God-given rights or does the, does the government, government give us rights? rights? Now, so without getting too lost in what God is, whether it's this conscious being he is a, or... He is a gigantic fat man with a beard. <laughs> that is what he is, all right? I think right, so for, okay, that. so for a huge amount of people, that's what he is. But whatever he is, whether you, whether it's the Buddha, whatever that God is the, the to first, you... The unmoved mover outside of time and space, so unfathomable. Meaning, meaning that we have rights as human beings, and this is an enlighten this is a science and enlightenment argument that by your by the very uh, essence of your birth and your ability to have a brain that can think that you have rights you have, I yeah, like you have that. Dignity, yeah. you have dignity you have rights to be 
in this cosmos and that freedom is, is the, I think I'm about to quote Optimus Prime, freedom is the right of all sentient beings. I watched Transformers last night. I cannot believe I just quoted <laughs> the, Optimus yeah, the, Prime. The argument um, from Prime. The Prime <laughs> and mover he was a, He was a pretty <laughs> powerful Autobot. The point is, but that freedom and your ability to think and all these things, these are God-given. Now, whatever you want to say God is, but that they're, they're before the giant government. giant man in the sky with a beard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. but it's mm -hmm. before government. I like that much more than I like that the government is giving us these things. The government is just a, is a construct of man. So the idea that the government is giving me my freedom, right. no, it, no, that's, we can deal with what the government gives us. I think it should give us a lot less, but the government doesn't give me my right to be a human. Mm -hmm. So again, this is, this is where, whether you're talking about the Judeo-Christian God or whether we're talking about, you know, I'm sure there are thinkers that may be a little more uh, left-leaning or a little more not so uh, into I haven't encountered them, but sure, yeah. I mean, <laughs> hypothetically, they might exist. But there might, sure. be, there might be people that, so aren't, that, that are a little more atheist in their thinking yeah. that, would, that would agree with that concept without it having to do with like sort of a conscious God. And, and I would fall somewhere into that category. Now, that's uh, all right. We'll move you over. On the... Uh, I you, like how you think you have work to do. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. I do notice that with you conservatives now that I hang out with you people. You oh, all think, I know. You all think there's work think, to do Come on, me. the world. Water's nice, Dave. Come you know, on in here. Wouldn't it be funny if I was actually making you guys all more liberal oh, God, and you didn't God even forbid. know it? God but forbid. it could be. I, I, feel I think I've made you people a lot more tolerant. I know. I, I feel. I feel it happening by the moment. Yeah. You know. The yeah. uh, so. You bring up science, yeah. and that is everyone. We all talk about science these days. People, I think, forget that the science, Western science, is a product of the church, basically. Copernicus was a priest, you know. We, they all knock the Catholic Church because of Galileo. But Galileo was kind of a jerk man. The church was very nice to Copernicus. The, my, my question here is, some of the compelling arguments for God these days are more science-based. It, it was a Catholic priest who discovered the Big Bang, George Lemaitre. And he was mocked because people thought there was a static universe, the Aristotelian universe, but he said, no, it had a beginning. It was the Big Bang. There is one of the most compelling arguments, didn't get me, but it's a compelling one, is fine-tuning, that if you change the calculations of, of the strong or weak nuclear forces by just slight degrees, the different, different forces in the universe, life would be impossible. Very minor mm -hmm. measurements. Do those uh, scientific arguments, the, the prime mover, you need a a beginning, a mover that isn't uh, contingent or, or physical. Mm. Do any of those move you toward a, a God that is, that has, isn't just a, an unconscious thing, as you just said, but has a teleology, a, a purpose behind it? Not really. Uh, we gotta, we gotta get a couple drinks <laughs> in here. On this guy. We, gotta, yeah. we could do this after a couple of drinks. Not really, though. I don't know that it mm. is even part of what the human experience is to understand that. I think we can do. I think there are people that are religious that can spend their entire lives trying to figure out what the meaning of the universe is. I think there are scientists who can try to find the God particle or you know, figure out through physics or mathematics what the, what the real design of the universe is. I think, it is. I think that actually is much more of what being a human is about than knowing it. I, I suspect that Certainly, if, yeah. I, look, maybe we will get to a point one day where we will know. There will be a big booming voice in the sky that everyone is gonna suddenly know, and maybe it'll be alien. But you know what, what it could be, it, you see? It could be aliens, it could, could be. be, you know what I mean? Like it depends how far you wanna run with all this. But I would say that could not be knowing- Could outside of time and space. It could be, I mean, who knows? Maybe we'll, suddenly everyone was gonna wake up with a yeah. big like G on their forehead. Yeah, yeah. And we'll all go, well, what happened there? And it'll be God, you know, I'm sending you a sign or something. But I would say that 
the, the question of not knowing and being okay with that and that not having that stunt your growth as mm -hmm. a human, uh, whether you want to think of things in a uh, religious way or in a scientific way, I think that that's what being human is all about. And you, so, and you should, ideally, you'd, you'd uh, meld the two together. I think a lot of people say that faith and science are in conflict, but of course, that is a very modern idea, that none of the founders of modern science would have said that. Newton spent 30 years of his life interpreting scripture. Yeah, well look, Einstein said, you know, God doesn't play dice with the universe. Right. I, I think that's an interesting way of saying it because there's an implicit belief there right. that he's saying, well, something, God, he's saying God doesn't. And Einstein which, said George Lemaitre's Big Bang Theory, it was so beautiful. That's what he, what he was, it was so simple and so beautiful. Yeah, it just all seems kind of like smug and arrogant to me in a way. Well, like, that's my, that's the, what I prefer, yeah, that's You, Michael Knowles, seem very <laughs> smug and arrogant. That's what I'm that trying is, to say. Yeah, that's you know better what? than what I'm called on Twitter. That's a lot better than what we get <laughs> I don't even want to look at this thing now. So there is yeah. one final argument. Yeah. This one I don't think you could possibly disagree with. Yeah. This argument is the argumentus democratus. The, the argument is that Hillary Clinton was supposed to be president. <laughs> Donald Trump was not supposed to be president. There was a 99% chance that Hillary was going to be president, according to Princeton University, the night before the election. Yeah. Then we got Trump. Then, and this is just my own empirical observations, uh, my own experiments, a blank book making fun of Democrats became the number one bestseller in the world. Now Ben Shapiro serenades my dates with roaming millennial. Tell me that God doesn't exist. Tell me that uh, it's impossible. It's an impossible argument. The mystery of the universe is enfolding right in front of you. And you just got to keep rolling with that. But that doesn't prove that God exists. Mm. It just proves that the universe is here. And sometimes I think you're a little more in line with it and sometimes you're not. You had a nice little run here. Yeah, and Hillary, Hillary was not in line with you. Got Hillary your, was far away from you. You got your Trump, you yeah. got your book, you <laughs> yeah. got your Shapiro, you got your roaming millennial. But that just means you're doing things. You know, like we mm. always find signs when it works to us, but all day long there are signs that have no meaning to it. It is a wicked generation that looks for signs and wonders, but it is a stupid generation that ignores signs and wonders. I hope, Dave, that I've saved your soul. That was but an we excellent need, segue. We need, I really enjoyed that. Yeah. We have got to say goodbye to Facebook and YouTube. Listen, guys, we have so much more to get to. We have an incredible panel of deplorables. We have Ali Stuckey. We have Jacob Berry. Dave's going to stick around. Hopefully his meter doesn't run out. But... <laughs> We have to say goodbye to Facebook and YouTube. Thank you to all the current subscribers. If you're a subscriber, go over to dailywire.com right now. You get to watch the whole rest of the show. If you're not a subscriber, hurry up, man. You have like two minutes to do it. It's $10 a month, $100 a year. You get me, you get the Andrew Clavin Show, you get the Ben Shapiro Show, you get great guests like Dave Rubin. Forget all that, that's nothing. You get this, you get this. The Leftist Tears Tumblr. It is the most beautiful vessel for carrying leftist tears. Right now, there's a beautiful vintage that we're serving up. It, it's ever since Politicon, we've been serving up Dave Rubin's old boss, Schenk Uber's <laughs> tears. They I'll are take two exquisite. Of yeah, I'm gonna, we're sending Dave home with some. <laughs> Go over there right now, dailywire.com. We'll be right back. Back to the NFL panel. Thank you for waiting. I was too enraptured. I was lost in Dave's beautiful eyes. On the NFL, the league has apparently entered into a golden era. It has now been 23 days since one of its players has been arrested. The average time between arrests of NFL players is 23 days, but the charges typically include drunk driving, drug offenses. Oh, I'm sorry, the average time is seven days. Uh, those other charges include domestic violence, assault and battery, gun violations, disorderly conduct, resisting arrest, theft, burglary, rape, and even murder. In 2013, there were 71 arrests of NFL players. As Donald Trump Jr. put it, if only Roger Goodell cared as much about domestic abuse and traumatic brain injury as he does about 
disrespecting America. Hashtag NFL. Allie, is there a little man in the mirror issue here? I'm talking about the man in the mirror. Is there a connection between these guys' moral defects and their virtue signaling uh, about these race issues? Yeah, I think absolutely. And that raises a really good point that we're not just seeing um, in the NFL, but we're seeing all across America when it comes to virtue signaling. Um, all of a sudden, because of the polarized politics that we're seeing now, uh, the sense of moral vigilantism has bubbled up in people who before didn't care about morality at all. And in fact, probably would have said that they are moral relativists. Um, but because politics has come into play and because it's become popular and trendy and attention grabbing to take a political stance, all of a sudden we have people who care about these virtues and they are uh, exemplifying those virtues by making a political point when they should be honoring our Jacob, flag. Allie makes all excellent points. Why isn't Goodell doing something about this? He's, he's perfectly willing to punish football players when they honor 9-11 victims and heroes, but uh, he, he'll stand back on this issue. Why, why the silence? I think it's exactly what Ali was saying. It's just plain virtue signaling. I think she said moral vigilantism. That's perfect for it. The, uh, when it comes to things like 9-11 and you know Dallas cops being uh, killed by Black Lives Matter sympathizer, you know it's it's so tragic and you're like oh we just don't want politics. But then all of a sudden Colin Kaepernick takes a knee and we have whole teams doing it. It doesn't make sense, but it shows to me the disconnect between the people who are upstairs and then their audience who are watching it's a disconnect with with their fan base absolutely and dave is going to cancel uh, uh espn for that's going to stop watching the shows okay we got to we talked about the nfl too i can't pay attention to these guys anymore this is the most football that i've ever been subject to in my life <laughs> anthony weiner has been sentenced to 21 months in prison for sexting with a 15 year old girl dave is anthony weiner's continued existence on this earth the final proof that the Clintons don't kill people? <laughs> well, I guess, yeah, technically, they should have taken him out a long time ago or at least gotten rid of the laptops or whatever Huma was uh, doing over there. Look, you know, let's move on from Anthony Weider. We have so many, <laughs> we have so many problems right now, this politicization of everything and sports being corrupted by politics and all of the authoritarian stuff and all the social justice stuff. We have so many problems. Like when I saw this headline this morning, it was just like, let me just put that one aside. Let the guy go to jail, just move on. You know, we only have so much brain power for all this stuff. It is too much wiener. It is wiener <laughs> overload. Allie, I, uh, you're not gonna believe this. I almost feel sorry for the guy. He's so pathetic in the court and crying and he's obviously got this sickness, this psychological disorder. Should we feel bad for Anthony Weiner? Uh, first, when you said that, I was shocked. But now when you say that, when you think about the fact that he is actually very sick, maybe in some kind of way, but he also had the opportunity to get help a long time ago. So you have to think that after this many mistakes and after this much time, if you haven't gotten the help that you need, then it's very hard to feel sorry for you, um, especially when it comes to children and pedophilia and things like that. I just, I don't know, forgive me, but I don't have a whole lot of compassion. Yeah, I always feel bad for the guy. And then I look at the pictures and I think, all right, throw him away, get him out of here. <laughs> In an article on Sunday, NPR lamented, quote, gender segregated professional sports as being exclusive, as being unfair and exclusive. Allie, <laughs> if we start admitting 
people who are biologically men but identifying as women and on hormone treatments or whatever, if we start allowing them to compete in female sports, is that just the end of female sports? Well, yeah, so here's the foundational problem with this article. Uh, one of the quotes said something like, oh, the reason why traditionally male and female sports have been separated is because males and females play sports differently. No, males play sports better. I have this whole bet with my brother-in-law saying, do you think that if I train for an entire three years to dunk a basketball, I, I think I could do it? And he said, no, he would pay any amount of money to bet that I could never dunk a basketball. And it's absolutely true. It's not just because I play basketball differently, but because I play basketball a lot worse than any unathletic male. It's just, it's just true. And so just to say that there are differences in how we play sports, um, it's a fundamental misunderstanding of how God made the human body. So, unfortunately, women are going to get the short end of As an unathletic male, I appreciate your confidence in me. Dave, You're this appears to be an internal conflict on the left. On the one hand, there are these immutable, innate identities that we couldn't ever possibly change. And on the one hand, sex doesn't seem to matter. You can go from a man to a woman, a woman to a man. So either it's the core of our identity or it doesn't exist at all. Is there any way, as our resident former leftist, <coughs> I suppose always liberal, uh, is there any way to reconcile this conflict on the left? You know, my Twitter bio says wanted to be in the NBA. So <laughs> yeah, if right. what this is leading to is the <laughs> chance that I could maybe play in the WNBA where I actually think I could be an all-star, then I'm completely for this. That's number one. But the, the truth is, I mean, think about it this way. I, I don't know a ton of uh, female basketball players, but if you took Lisa Leslie, who was one of the biggest stars in the league, she could never make it in the in the NBA in the men's league that is just simply the truth she would be she would be crushed simply by the size and strength of these guys that is not putting women down that's just understanding that we have different biological differences so of course this was all leading to this of course now they're going to try to have women play in the NBA and but what are you really saying here we have differences we can accept them it doesn't mean that one's better or one's worse it just is and it's just reality I Which I know is scary to people. I, I can't believe that we have to end on such a note of horrifying bigotry as reality. <laughs> but, uh, panel, thank you for being here. Ali Stuckey, Jacob Berry, Dave Rubin, the nicest guy in politics. Thank you for coming by. Thanks, brother. Great to have you. Now it is time for my final thought. None of the people disrespecting the national anthem and none of those cheering them on has made a coherent case for the protest which I suspect is because the protest is incoherent. Make no mistake, the disrespect shown is explicitly toward the national anthem, which is itself a symbol of the country. If these football players were to kneel or turn their backs on a police officer, their disrespect would be toward the police and the protest toward any alleged police brutality. If they were to kneel or turn their backs at the sight or mention of President Trump, their disrespect would be toward President Trump and the protest toward his administration. The symbol has relation to the symbolized, but they're kneeling for the national anthem, and so the disrespect and protest are pointed toward the country itself. There is an irony here. We pay these grown men tens of millions of dollars per year to run around and entertain us. These men then turn around without any fear of prosecution and insult the country that has given them more wealth, equality, and freedom than any citizenry has ever enjoyed in the history of the world. That prosperity, equality, and liberty are not the natural state of things. They are uniquely American. They rest on the foundation of America. To undercut that foundation is to make impossible all that that foundation secures. 
To quote Chesterton, there is a thought that stops thought, and that is the only thought that ought to be stopped. On that, I'm Michael Knowles. This is The Michael Knowles Show. Come back tomorrow. We'll do it all again.